Matamariye, welcome to First Up, it's Rapa, that is Wednesday, it's the 25th of January, coming up we will get the latest on California's spate of mass shootings, Novak Djokovic defies the hecklers, he's going to march on in the Aussie Open, we'll find out what his latest hamstring is, and we'll get Green Party co-leader Marama Davidson on the line ahead of the swearing in of Chris Hipkins as Prime Minister and what will it mean for the Coalition's smaller member, plus we meet the Auckland Postie who's written a children's book about some of the 160 dogs he's met on his route. A lot of the Posties kind of think I'm a dog whisperer, but it's, it's more I'm just friendly towards the dog and dogs can sense if you're friendly or if you're scared of them. You know, there's dogs in the book that I'm friendly with and they growl at other Posties. Welcome to First Up, I'm Nathan Rarity and we begin this morning in Australia and here I come off the long run up to say g'day to my mate from Brisbane, kia ora Pam Corkery, how are you? I'm good, as I think the great philosophers would say, hello, hello, it's good to be back. <laughs> hey, so now, there's, there's something very interesting going on in the Northern Territory, and I, I saw something about Alice Springs the other day. Tell us about the, the what the government's doing, the Albanese government bringing in alcohol restrictions there. Well, Albanese flew under a lot of pressure to Alice Springs yesterday. There's been a surge in violence, which is just ravaging indigenous communities. Um, so it has been imposed that alcohol sales will be subject to immediate curbs across the Northern Territory, which seems very, you know, antiquity-like. But this happened, all the assaults cranked up after the lifting of a decade-old alcohol ban, which went, happened six months ago, um, and violent crime has just gone crazy. Uh, you know, home invasions, everything up right. at least 50%. A local baker, or get the local angle, said people are tense, anxious, scared, they're scared their lives have been shut down, they're prisoners in their own homes. It just sounds dreadful. Oh, that's horrible. Well, hopefully uh, that uh, that works. I mean, it seems like that ban had worked, hadn't it, if it's uh, all of a sudden jumped up from there, doesn't it? Exactamundo. Yeah. Now, it's Australia Day tomorrow, which is an interesting time, and I think it's every now and then, let, let's hope that Cronulla behaves itself. But uh, I see the staff of many large corporates are being given the choice to work. Why is this? This took me by surprise, actually. Um as you say, they're giving staff the choice to work on Australia Day tomorrow out of respect for First Nations. Or so, if they work tomorrow, they can t- they still keep the holiday. They can have it another day. But a few names here, like staff at Telstra, Woolies, um, West Farmer, KPMG, BHP, and Deloitte are among those who have said, out of respect for indig- Indigenous people, then. We may, know, you know, you don't have to take the holiday and call it Australia Day and rush around. Wow. I wonder how many will take I mean, it's Well, I don't know. I mean, companies are saying it's not a day of celebration. I mean, the 26th of January is the day when, uh, signifies the day Arthur Philip arrived in Sydney in 1788, and it begins the mark of um, British colonisation. So, good job. I mean, I've got a T-shirt that says abolish the date, mate. <laughs> oh, you're brave wearing that, I think, wouldn't you, in Britain, Queensland? How does that go no, down when you wear it? No, no, it's changed an awful lot here. I think I've said to you when we um, marched for um, black rights um, yeah. in America, there were 50,000 people at the march. I thought there'd be 13 of us, and that was the largest in the country. So, mm. yeah, no, things have changed. We've got groovy and hip here. 
Yeah. Now, there's this new program, which, and when I say program, everybody, I mean a, a computer program. It's called Chat GPT, which has been quite a bit of talk about. I know that, um, I think you said on Morning Report there was a thing on it. I see it's been banned in Queensland public schools. And New South Wales, yes. It generates text. I'm reading this because I have no idea about it, really. In response to a prompt or a query. Like, I read a piece this morning where a commercial writer said, Chat GPT wrote in a minute what would take him a day. So they'll be able to, in New South Wales and Queensland, you'll be unable to. They will block this Chat GPT. Um, I don't know what... I think of it like another egg, some professor somewhere or many professors have said, the cat's out of the bag now, use it. But And apparently Microsoft is primed to have artificial intelligence in its search engine Bing soon. So I'm sort of looking at you, bro. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, if your kids are at school and they can yeah. whack out a, a, an answer with one word, it doesn't seem right, does it? No, it doesn't. And I, I think it's, um, I imagine my tactic would be with my kids to go, well, that's what everyone else is doing. And it's always best to zig when everyone else zags. So why don't you learn how to do it the other way? And then that makes you unique and you've got a thing, you know, which, which, uh, is, which is a hard pitch for every parent to make to their child, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I would have laughed like a drain if Mum had said it. Yeah. <laughs> you, it beats the old days of, of going through the Dewey Decimal System at Hastings Boys High and getting a book out and then just writing something out word for word out of a, out of a Britannica, doesn't it? So true. <laughs> it's so true. Now, tell me about this Kanye West, interesting fellow, but the opposition leader, Peter Dutton, says he should be banned from entering Australia. Um, we I haven't thought, heard from Peter No, we have Peter Dutton. Yes. Wow, yeah. What's behind this? Yeah. Well, more that prominent Jewish community leaders, not just Peter Dutton, are pushing for Albanese to reject a potential visa application from Yee. It's Yee, isn't it? Yee, yeah, 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 I think. Yee, yeah. yeah, I don't care. He's <laughs> rumoured to be coming to Oz. He's keen to meet his Melbourne-based family, of uh, the Melbourne-based family of his new Australian partner, Bianca Sensori. Um, it's thought that West brings a significant risk that he would vilify a segment of the Australian Jewish community and First Nations Australian or incite mainly maybe violence, you know, namely get the racists up in arms, which you know that happens. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay. Yay is a Holocaust denier. He hangs with white supremacists. He's issued death threats against the Jewish community. He says he loves Nazi and admires Hitler. So we don't need him, I don't think. No. Gold no, deals and he, that is, he is he is not a bad musician, I just have to say. I know it's awful when you catch yourself tapping your foot. I and go, no, hate bad foot. That. Bad yes, foot. No, that's <laughs> not a good day. <laughs> it's not. Pam Corkrete, <laughs> lovely to hear your voice. Thank you. Love you. It's 13 past five. You're listening to First Up here on RNZ National with me, uh, Nathan Rarere, and of course you can always text us on 2101. Well, as you may have heard, there's been another mass shooting in California. That's the third in just three days. The, the suspect in the latest shooting has been named as Chen Lu Zhao, who was accused of killing seven people in the town of Half Moon Bay. So with us now from the United States is our correspondent Sally Patterson. Sally, thank you very much for being um, here with us. Can you tell us the, the latest from the shooting? Yes, hi Nathan. So as you say, we know at least seven people were killed in these two shootings in Half Moon Bay, which is a small coastal community in the San Francisco Bay area. Now, police were alerted to the shooting soon after 2 p.m. local time on Monday. 
And we understand that a gunman opened fire on groups of farm workers at two locations around a mile or two apart. And this left seven dead and one person badly wounded as a gunman then fled the scene. Now, one shooting took place at what's been described as a mushroom farm by local reports. And another was at a trucking facility, which was nearby. And so we're still having information come out about these two shootings. But as you say, it is the third in just a few days. And so it really has been quite shocking here in the U.S. I, I know that the uh, original, uh, this sounds horrible to say, the one from the other day, they said, well, it was, you know, like a, almost a, a very jealous husband who hadn't been invited to a dance. And that as well was one of the was one of the suspicions of it. What do we know about this latest suspect? We don't know too much about motives. Police say that those haven't been determined yet. We do know that he's been identified as Chun Li Zhao. And he's a 67-year-old who was taken into custody. Uh, he was actually found sitting in his vehicle soon after the shooting. And his vehicle was parked outside the ferris station. So authorities believe that he may have actually been coming to turn himself in. And a semi-automatic handgun was also found in his car. County Sheriff Christina Corpus said the suspect was fully cooperating with investigators following his arrest. And we understand that he may have actually worked for one of the two crime scenes in the past. But as I say, we're still getting full information. We don't know his motives as of yet. California's been a state where we haven't really heard over the years, I mean, unfortunately in the United States, they're all tarred with it, but you don't normally hear through California yet there's been uh, quite a few, just obviously this last week. What reaction has there been from the country's leaders? Well, I mean, there has been a real outpouring of grief from people here on the ground and also from the country's leaders who have heard some quite strong words. Now, President Joe Biden did order flags on all government buildings to fly at half-star most of this week after Saturday's shooting, because, of course, we did have another major shooting just days ago. And speaking on Tuesday, the president said that, uh, he said that we know the surge of gun violence across America requires stronger action, and he's calling on Congress to reintroduce a federal assault weapons ban. Now, we've also heard from Vice President Kamala Harris, who told the crowd in Florida that uh, on Saturday it was meant to be a time of cultural celebration. It was, of course, the uh, Lunar New Year. But another community has been torn apart by what she called senseless gun violence. And she said all of us in this room and in our country understand this violence must stop. So we have had very strong words there from the leaders of the United States. But it's yet to be seen what changes are going to be made, if any, to make people here safer from mass shooting. Mm. Sally, thank you very much for your time there. A bit of a difficult phone line there as well. Hopefully that was okay in your ears. That's Sally Patterson who is with us out of the United States. Well, freezing weather in Afghanistan has killed at least 124 people. The Taliban government says around 70,000 livestock have also perished in what has been called the coldest winter in a decade. The BBC's chief international correspondent, Liz Doucette, has this report. A winter wonderland of aching beauty, but brutal. We're travelling through the massives of the Hindu Kush, through the world's second highest road tunnel, the Salang Tunnel, a place of legend. It's an engineering wonder 
but a death trap, especially in winter, in avalanches and accidents. The only highway rescue at this spot is Saki Mohammed. Selling chains for tires in the coldest winter in a decade. Tough stuff in threadbare clothes. It gets so cold, you can't see the road, you can't walk, and the heaters in cars don't work. These are the lives people live here. It's so cold, but he said it's going to get colder still. We've been out just for minutes and my bras are frozen and my face feels it's going to fall off. Imagine if you live day in, day out in conditions like this. This is the only way to reach Saki Mohammed's home. There's no road. Nothing is easy in this life. This is what life is like here. Literally lived on the edge. Even for the littlest, with little cover from this biting cold. A home made of mud with the warmth of a large family. I have heard people died of cold. My kids recently got sick. Some of my animals died. Till now, I haven't heard people died in Salang. Even five-year-old Jamshed helps keep them alive. He tells me how they have to carry water from the river, freezing in the wind and storms. They survive with a traditional stove and twigs. And the sandali, under this red and gold blanket, charcoal burns. You can taste the fumes in this room. This year their heating costs soared just like the rest of the world. No aid agencies have come to help us, not under the last government or the Taliban government. An aid agency did come by this month. This family wasn't seen as needy. Imagine the others. Their oldest daughters didn't go to school. They couldn't afford it. 14-year-old Zainab was the luckiest. She got to go. But then the Taliban shut girls' high schools. Such hard lives in such harsh terrain. Afghan rulers come and go. Nature's power ever-present. That was Liz Doucette reporting from Kabul. It's 21 and a half past five and I'm Nathan Rarity here at First Up on RNZ National. Coming up uh, on the programme, you're going to hear from Green Party deputy, uh, co-leader I should say, Marama Davidson, uh, head of Chris Hipkins being sworn in as the Prime Minister. We just want to see what that means, uh, she th- uh, what she thinks it means for the Labour Greens coalition. And we meet a postie who's written a children's book about some of the 160 dogs that he's met on his route. This week on Trade Me, if you have ever watched those television fishing shows and thought, oh yeah, that's a bit of me. Well, there's a job listing uh, this week that's a great catch 
See what I did there? Thank you. Uh, a famous pie shop and bakery business is up for sale in the South Island too. But first, producer Jeremy Parkinson talked with Ruby Topsand from Trade Me about a New Zealand famous cap and sunnies. It is. It is raising money for the Labour Party's upcoming election, which um, is outlined in the questions and answers on the listing, uh, an expensive activity. So that's where the money for this one is going. And it's already got a top bit of 1500 That will go somewhere. It won't pay for a full campaign, but it will go somewhere. But yes, this follows the success of Who Can Forget the truly iconic listing that was the script of Jacinda Ardern calling David Seymour an arrogant prick and that one absolutely exploded on Trade Me and sold for well over $100,000 so we will see if this one can get that far. I mean so far it's got 28,800 views, not quite in the top 10 of all time like that other listing was, but but not bad, not bad. I, I do uh, see here that uh, because it is uh, raising money for the Labour Party, in effect, the uh, winning bid will be a donation. If it goes over 5000 then that must fall under electoral uh, law. So I think it says something about that in the listing. It does, yeah. Yep. Uh, a likely subject to public disclosure using the purchaser's real name. So... It'll be interesting if that happens. And um, in most cases, obviously, when you buy something on Trade Me, you've got at least the option of privacy. And if you if you do want to talk about it, that's always a lot of fun. But in this case, if it does climb up there, which which it may well, that person will have to front it. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, indeed. So that's uh, Chris Hipkins' uh, cap and Sunny's up for grabs on Trade Me. That finishes. Uh, when's about to that finish? Uh, tomorrow night, Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Oh, there we go. So that's at 1550 at the moment. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And next up is, I look, I like this. This is content creator, and that's flash for someone who's going to make a fishing program or help make a fishing program. You get to live in the far north, go fishing, uh, and, and make a program. I mean, this this isn't a listing that, that would, uh, sort of job that would be uh, listed very often, I should imagine. Yeah, and certainly getting a lot of attention with, 11,800 views so far. So, yeah, a pretty special opportunity here, really, to join the team at ITM Fishing with Tightlands Media, as you say, a content creator. And, yeah, imagine living and working in the Bay of Islands, as it says, minutes from the world-class beaches, fishing, surfing, golf courses. So we imagine this one's got plenty of applicants, and we are sure they'll have no trouble finding the perfect candidate here. There you go. So that's <laughs> that's a, a job with the ITM Fishing Show uh, up in the Bay of Islands. And last but not least this week, now I've been to this uh, pie shop uh, this is Sheffield Pies. Um, they, they are selling up. There are a couple of commercial, pro- uh, two cafes and a commercial bakery in, uh, involved in the sale. What are they after? So they are after 1.65 million, which is, you know, that's a fair amount, but they do break down the um, the finances a little bit in the list of description and, and you can have a read there and decide if that's something you reckon might be worth it. But yeah, truly iconic business that's been around for four decades. And as also it says in the, the list description, there's no inter- introductions necessary here. If you are a um, pie enthusiast, then this one um, will be familiar to you. And I think, um, yeah, it's just such a, it's such a well-established business with such a good name. I love that window. It says life's good when there's a pie in your hand. Simple and just, yeah, gorgeous pies. Who, who could think of a better business? 
that is that, that's how you do it, shop owners. Life's good with a pie in your hand. Well done uh, to that bakery that was Trade Me's at Ruby Top Sand. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. The 25th of January, uh, just very quickly here, 1961, 101 Dalmatians was released. Made a lot of money. They used a new animation technique that made it easier. One of the animators said they drew 6,469,952 spots from the Dalmatian pups. There you go. And this day in 1974 was the first day of competition at the Christchurch Commonwealth Games. Dick Taylor, remember that? The 10,000 metres? What a way. What a way to open it. In 1949, the first Emmy Awards were presented. Uh, not very many categories, and it was only for shows you could see in Los Angeles. But the name Emmy is the feminised version of Emmy, which is a short slang term for image orthicon tube. And the idea was that differentiated it, a tube camera, from a film camera. So that's why it was the Emmys. And also, happy birthday to uh, the best voice I've ever heard. She's my favourite of all time, so indulge me as we listen to the beautiful voice of a woman who was born James Zeta Hawkins in 1938. Don't know why There's no sun up in the sky Stormy weather so her first name was cut in half and swapped around to become Etta James, which became her uh, performance name. She was born to a 14-year-old mother, grew up in a series of foster homes and incredibly abusive ones as well. Particularly one, though, figured out at the age of five that she had a very good singing voice uh, and he put her in his church choir, but he used to punch her in the chest uh, to encourage her to sing from her diaphragm and she developed that incredibly strong voice, but he would have late-night poker games and think it was great fun to wake up the child and have her come out and perform for people and it gave her incredible performance anxiety and she ended up uh, addicted to heroin later in her life too and would draw back to this. Uh, there are many uh, documentaries you can see about her but some of the things I've read about her over the years, Janis Joplin said she just really hoped that she sounded like Etta, uh, gave her an idea, oh I could be a singer too with that voice. Uh, it was very hard to get anyone to duet uh, with Etta because she just blew everyone off the stage with the power of her voice. Ella Fitzgerald, who I thought they would have been great mates with, did not like her, thought she was quite crass with the way that she performed. She's uh, in the Rock and Roll and Grammy Hall of Fame, named one of the 100 greatest singers and artists of all time. A very tragic life, uh, but an incredible voice, that of James Setter Hawkins, and we know it as Etta James. It's business, it's business time. That's what you're trying to say, you're trying to say, let's get down to business, it's business time. It's business. Joining us right now from the business team, it's Giles Beckford. Kia ora, Giles. How are More you? to you, Nathan. Oh, inflation. Inflation. Oh, good. Again. Heard of it, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blink. Look, we've, we've got the latest inflation numbers out this morning, uh, at quarter to 11. They'll cover the three months to the end of December, last December, uh, and of course give us a new um, annual number. Expectations are, this is the consensus view, uh, 1.3% rise for the quarter, taking the annual rate marginally lower to 7.1%. Uh, we'll see expensive food, building costs, household costs, uh, boosting inflation on one side, 
there'll be a slight offset from the fall in petrol prices, although we have to remember that the government support um, and cuts in tax, uh, petrol taxes comes off very shortly, and that'll give it another boost. But uh, the downside, or so we say, the upshot will be essentially that Inflation is still strong. A lot of it is domestically generated, not imported, not uh, the supply chain disruptions, not the high price of commodities necessarily, but domestically generated. And that means the Reserve Bank will keep whacking us around the ears and our bank accounts with interest rate rises. So so what can we do to help then? If it's domestically generated, that's us. What, what do we do? The Reserve Bank, if you cast your mind back to last year, was talking about the need to slow demand. In other words, the economy's been running too hot. We've been um, out there buying stuff that isn't there, so that's been bidding up prices. Wages have been rising as well, and that's been lifting prices. So they've been trying to slow down the economy, cool it down, and if you remember Adrian Orr saying, if needs be, we'll even engineer a recession. D- In other didn't words, he also- we'll go backwards. Oh, sorry, John. Didn't he also say, though, that, that business as well also needs to be uh, realistic, perhaps, about uh, cutting back its its aims for profit margin, too? Oh, most most definitely. But this is something that the Reserve Bank can't actually dictate. Mm. Um, as he put it to me last year, it's the classic battle between... Uh, who, who's going to pay the bill? Is it is it capital? In other words, is it companies uh, and the bosses and the shareholders, or is it the workers? Is it labour? Um, and as we often know, um, it, it's labour which ends up paying the cost. It's the workers, the ordinary mm-hmm. folk that end up paying the cost through higher prices. Um, all they can do is to try and get the best. Uh, wage rises that they can and you know to be fair in the past year or so those wages have been going up Hmm. but a lot of people are still struggling mightily Um, you know wages have in some places been exceeding uh, the rate of inflation but that just of course just stokes uh, more inflationary pressures as well you know if you if your wages bill goes up as a company what do you do Will you pass on the cost? But, you know, companies also got to take that responsibility of saying, you know, we don't actually need to have every last cent in profit margin uh, if it means that we can actually maintain not just our workforce, but also our customer share, our market share. Um, I wonder if we Googled really hard if we'd ever find that phrase in a TED Talk, eh? <laughs> a, te- a TED talk. A te- TED talk. Yes. Don't, you must be aiming really low in your career if you're, if you're aspiring to a TED talk. Oh, people love that. They love I, it. I know they, they do. do. And, <laughs> and I have to say, some of them have been quite inspirational that yeah. I've heard on radio. But I mean, generally speaking, um, dare I say it, I think for many it's an ego trip. Yeah. Giles, thank you so much for your time, sir. You can hear more from the business team on Morning Report this morning at 10 to 7. Let's go to money markets now. Your New Zealand's dollar, it's out there, it's battling. Boy, it works hard. Hardest working dollar in the world. Everyone says so. Uh, it's getting you 64.93 US cents, 92.26 Australian cents, 59.79 Euro cents, 52.82 British pence, 4.4 yuan and 84.71 Japanese yen. We opened the programme by speaking to Pam Corkery in Australia. Now we go to our friend Dave Worsley who is in Melbourne. He's uh, covering the Australian Open. I think we're at the quarter final stage right now. Morning and Dave, how are you? Yeah, good morning there Nate. Yes, we are in the quarterfinals and uh, halfway through to the semifinals as well. 
as uh, play continues in uh, relatively fine weather, not too hot, only about 27 degrees, mate. Well, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because this is always the one where people are melting on court and there's always that, look, you know, they, they love to do that, that shot where they have someone frying an egg down on the court, um, which always <laughs> seems very cruel. I think don't put the players out there or that'll happen. But you mentioned there that we're halfway into the semi-finals, so there must be some through. Tell us who got through after last night's quarters. Well, yes, we did have a couple of players through. Wimbledon champion and uh, number 22 seed uh, Rybakina uh, from, well, I was about to say from Russia. She's only born there and lives there, but is under Kazakhstan flag. So she is uh, through. And, uh, yeah, she's uh, playing pretty well. Defeated Ostapenko, the former French Open champion. And she's going to take on Victoria Azarenka, who was from uh, Belarus. There's all these countries that we can't mention, Belarus and Russia being uh, the two of them. And uh, Azarenka, the former champ from 10 years ago, well, she defeated uh, the third seed, Jessica Pagula, the uh, American. So that's the um, the woman's side. On the men's side, well, yes, we do have a couple of players through to the semifinals. And one of them is the 18th seed from Russia, uh, Karen Kashinov, and he defeated uh, Sebastian Korda. That was in a, in a well fairly comprehensive in the end. Um, except that Korda had to retire hurt with a injured wrist. And the other match was last night. Sitsipas, the third seed, and uh, the Greek player defeated Bocheka from uh, the Czech Republic, who was through to his first quarterfinal. So those are the semifinalists we have so far, mate. Right. The the next uh, quarterfinal due up this afternoon, uh, but all eyes are on, obviously, the, the Novak Djokovic match uh, this evening. Now, um, he's what is, is he fighting an injury, is he? Well, he has been uh, injured as such, and then he came back saying, how dare people will criticise me for not being injured enough. And uh, that's the thing. I think people are saying, well, look, you're, you're foxing it because you just thrashed your opponent, Dina now in the previous round. You really haven't showing too much pain on court. You're still running down impossible shots. You play virtually a perfected match against Dimonau to win. They're just very, very easy. And then so he's got annoyed that people are saying, well, you're not really that injured if you're winning so well. Uh, yeah, but let's see when he comes up against uh, Rublev, the first seed from Russia uh, this evening. That should be a very good match. I mean, Rublev won in a fifth-set tiebreak over Holger Rune. Uh, so that's the match for this evening. The other match is uh, one, well, two Americans who almost feel as though they shouldn't be there. You've got Ben Shelton on his first trip overseas as a tennis player. He's only 20 years old. He's a very talented left-hander. Uh, the American there, his father also used to play. And then you've got uh, Tommy Paul, who's sort of like the American who's not meant to be there. It should be Taylor Fritz, the eight seed. Instead, you've got Tommy Paul and a good all-round player. So those two are going to take each other on. Dave, I want to thank you for your recommendation the other day. Dave is like, is like, I've known Dave for a while now, he's like a wonderful wine waiter who comes around and does the best recommendations. You said to me the other day, I went, what's your match of the day? And you went, Shelton and JJ Wolf. It was wonderful. Loved watching Ben Shelton. I think the crowd love him too. Favourite game for you today, just quickly. Fa- Favourite game. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to, um, well, I'm looking forward to one particular women's match. Uh, that's uh, Carolina Pliskova, who's uh, been number one in the world um, at one stage for only a couple of weeks. It take, she takes on Magda Lynette uh, from Poland, who almost shouldn't be through to the quarterfinals either. So, again, we've got a lot of these matches that people who kind of shouldn't really be there. But good on them for making it through to the quarterfinals. And uh, that's probably the match for me today. Pleskiewicz against Lynette from uh, Poland. Wonderful. Dave Worsley, thank you very much for your time, sir. That's the latest from Melbourne. 
19 to 6. I'm Nathan Radity here at First Up on RNZ National. Still to come, Labour Party leader Chris Hipkins is being sworn in today as the 41st Prime Minister of New Zealand. So we find what this means for the government's coalition partners. Co-leader, Green Party, Marama Davidson, she is with us. It's the sound. Here they are pulling up in Ford Capri. It's uh, Corin Dan at the wheel of Morning Report this morning. The professionals are set to go after six. How are you? Artemario, very well. Yourself, Nathan? Yeah, pretty good. It's been an interesting morning so far. What's happening in Morning Report? Well, we will cover the uh, the sad path passing of Titipai Harawera, the Northern Kuia, who was... It's a name that will be very well known to many New Zealanders. A very proud and fierce activist for Māori rights for many years during the 70s and 80s, but became very well known as, uh, I guess, uh, for accompanying Prime Ministers onto the Lower Marae at Waitangi, the Tete Marae. Uh, an incredible woman, really. Uh, I certainly covered many Waitangi uh, events over the years, and she was formidable uh, mm. as a journalist to try. I know getting a, a couple of lines or an interview with her was uh, sort of the, the thing to do at Waitangi in, in many instances, and uh, I can tell you she was formidable. And she didn't take an easy presence. path through life, did she? She did not mm. take an easy path. She was a fighter, um, you know, for, for Māori rights, and uh, often there were, there were obviously issues in Northland too, amongst uh, different sections of the Māori community there in terms mm-hmm. of her ability to be the one who accompanied Prime Ministers on, and there was always controversy around that but uh, we will um, cover her life and pay tribute to her this morning on Morning Report so we'll talk to uh, some Northland uh, Māori uh, elders uh, about about her and her significance. Uh, we'll also of course cover off uh, things from Ratna yesterday and uh, look forward really today look ahead today to the swearing in of the new Prime Minister. I know that you are doing the same. couple of light little stories too. We're going to talk to the bar owner in Featherston who uh, ID'd Sheeran <laughs> that cracks me up, actually. Oh, um, I saw a review of a concert he did actually in Wellington last night, which described him as having the face of a choir boy. <laughs> uh, apparently, he had a beer and fries. You know, oh, sounds good. Yeah, good. You know, it'd be a good old mucking in, and he probably picked up the guitar and sang a song. Exactly. Exactly. Beautiful. Thank you. Very, very good. Much. Cheers. Well, an Auckland Postie's idea to write a children's book dedicated to dogs on his run has turned into an unexpected success. Mike Patterson has delivered the mail on a push bike for 33 years, becoming friends with hundreds of dogs along the way. He's on a first name basis with 160 dogs. 14 of those made the cut for his book, Posty Mike, A Dog's Best Friend, which sold out in just eight days last December. Our reporter Leonard Powell met up with Mike on his posty run in Mount Eden and began by asking him how the idea came to be. It started about two years ago. It actually started off as a joke between me and Katie from the Time Out bookstore in Mount Eden. And I was just joking about how I could write a children's book about the, all the dogs I meet, but it was supposed to be just a joke. Then I got some funding from the Albert Eden Trust Board, so that sort of got the ball rolling. Then I actually had a meeting with a publisher, so I thought it was all going to be all nice and easy. And then COVID hit, so that meeting got cancelled. We rebooked another meeting, and COVID hit again, so that got cancelled again. And then from then on, the publisher just ghosted me and didn't want to talk to me. So I sort of had to go go it alone. Tried finding an illustrator in New Zealand, which is extremely expensive. So sort of that, that fell through too. So I was sort of going down all these no exit streets, and then I almost gave up. And then as a last resort, I um, went onto a website called Fiverr and found a guy who did the illustrations, the, the style I wanted. 
found him and six months later here we are. Wow and how's the reception been since uh, you put the book out in December? Amazing it's almost overwhelming really. With the money I had left over from the funding I had from the Albertian Trust Board it was enough to get 169 copies made and I thought I'd sell about 50 and then um, give the rest away to kids on my run or kindies or whatever and we actually sold out all 169 copies in eight days and that was just up at the the Time Out bookstore in Mount Eden Village. You're, you're planning on a reprint of the book or restocking? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to have to because there's, there's people out there I know who actually went up to get the book and it was sold out. So there's plenty of locals still around, around this area that are after the book. So um, I'm getting a, a second print run done next week and it should be out at Time Out Bookstore beginning of February. Awesome. And maybe if you could rattle, rattle through a few of the dogs who made the cut for your book. I understand not every dog you come across on your runs is in the book. Yeah, well, I do more than one posty run. So of the four or five posty runs I'm normally on, I've, there's about 160 dogs that I know by name. So I narrowed that down to 21, and then I even had to narrow it down further to, to 14, just because otherwise the book would have been too big and, and kids kind of lose interest after a while. So um, I just narrowed it down to the ones who I just thought had a better story or a funny story or even just something I thought the kids might like. No hard feelings to the dog owners that didn't make the cut? They were pretty happy anyway? Um, no. A couple of owners were very, very keen to get their dog in the book. And I even took photos of their dog in case they would make the cut. But, um, yeah, in the end, their dog didn't make the cut. But I know they still bought the book. So, yeah, I guess no hard feelings. Would you consider yourself a bit of a dog whisperer, Mike? I kind of am. Like... I never thought I was, and years ago, because I've been a postie 33 years, and I used to deliver out west. This was way back before there was even dog control laws, and so there was no gates, there was no fences and stuff, and dogs were just roaming loose, and I would, I hated dogs. But now, in the last few years, I've sort of, the dogs around here are much, are a lot nicer. They sort of, they're treated more like genuine members of the family rather than guard dogs. Yeah, a lot of the posties kind of think I'm a, I'm a dog whisperer, but it's, it's more I'm just friendly towards the dog. And dogs can sense if you're friendly or if you're scared of them. You know, there's dogs in the book that I'm friendly with and they growl at other posties because those posties act quite timid towards them instead of scared of the dog. And the dog thinks like, hey, what's, you know, why are you acting so strange? Like, I'm, I'm a friendly dog. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm a dog whisperer, but I think dogs can sense if you're not a threat and if you're friendly towards them. so Do you want to read maybe about one of the dogs in there for listeners to get an idea of... Who do I choose? Yeah, the most popular picture is actually probably Gus, who has a... Gus has a drooling problem. So this is how Gus's story goes. Gus is the most solid American bulldog you could ever meet. He is very strong and powerful. Gus loves getting patted, but he also has a very bad drooling problem. When Posty Mike gives Gus a pat... Gus will shake his head and all his slobber will go flying everywhere, including all over Posty Mike's face. And I guess the reason everybody likes that photo is because the picture of Posty Mike is, you can only see half his face because he's got drool over the rest of it. So um, yeah, that's probably one of the, the more popular illustrations in the book. And you've just gone for dogs over cats, Mike. Yeah, cats have a mind of their own and there's plenty of cats on my Posty run, but if you're trying to get them to come close to give a give them a pat they just run away so and I've got three cats of my own so um yeah the dogs are put the dogs like me more than the cats do
<laughs> Mike Patterson, people love that book. The book Posty Mike is going to be back in stock at the Time Out bookstore next month. And uh, Mike says you should always ask the owner before you pat their dog. There we go. Well, Chris Hipkins is to be sworn in as Prime Minister today, less than nine months out from the general election. So what does this mean for Labour's coalition partners? Joining me now uh, to talk about that is the Green Party's co-leader, Marama Davidson. Uh, Marama, thank you very much for being here. Just very quickly, and of course, um, the news of uh, the death of Titifai Harawera has come out. I was just, I, I guess I just asked you your thoughts on her. Yeah, thank you, Maureen Nathan. And I've only just this morning um, mm. found out about Titifai. I was privileged, Nathan, to go to her 90th birthday celebrations, which were just before the end of last year here in West Auckland. And, of course, the celebrations had to be put off from her actual birthday. So I believe she might be, have been 91. But her 90th birthday celebrations were, I think, symbolic of the what the decades and decades and decades of incredible feisty staunch activism and her passionate commitment always to progressing Chao Māori aspirations, you know. She would interview me every week when she was doing Radio Wātea and she would challenge me like she would for every politician she was able to, to get to and speak to. But I was also privileged to, I'm a Taitokero girl, I'm a Northland girl, um, and so I was always privileged to have her sympathy with that shared papa of being from the north. So really just a massive mihi to her, her life, lifelong dedication to advancing te ao Māori interests and to mostly, of course, to her whānau um, hapu and i. Yeah, Marama, thank you very much uh, for that. Like we said, you, you've only just found out, so your thoughts there. Let's quickly jump to, to this today. So so back in 2020, the Labour's and the Greens entered into a cooperation agreement there. Um, will, will having a different Labour leader to the one that you've entered into in that agreement make any difference to the relationship? But early days, but what we know is the cooperation agreement was with the Labour Party, uh, and that's regardless of who the leader of the Labour Party is. So our expectation is that the cooperation agreement continues. Our priorities as the Green Party continue, particularly at this time, um, which of course for us is rebalancing wealth, um, taking strong action to protect our climate stability, and of course protecting nature for future generations. So, you know, those priorities, and particularly with a focus on affordable homes, we've we've been really public and clear about rent controls, for example, limiting rent increases. Those priorities for us continue, both under our cooperation, cooperation agreement and as ordinary independent uh, politicians in Parliament where we both work with Labour and challenge them at the same time. So uh, we've got a good working relationship with Chris, uh, both James and I, uh, with Chippy. Chris Chippy, we have to be really clear what Chris we're talking about, (laughs) you know, these days. Uh, So we've we've had a really good working relationship, particularly with Chippy, and we, we don't see any reason why that won't continue. Now, you mentioned there about the affordable homes. Will you be pushing uh, Chris Hipkins to introduce the capital gains tax? 
Well, I've been, I think, shall I say, warmed by some of what I've heard him, I guess, signalling that he's been quite clear, is have the Green Party. Some people are not paying their fair share. At the moment, Nathan, look, I've said many times, it is not just a cost of living crisis. Some people are creaming it right now, and many others are struggling. That has to be rebalanced. That is not sustainable, and it's certainly not acceptable. So the Greens have long put out solutions, and rebalancing wealth would not only address those inequities, but also help fund and pay for the climate solutions, the public service, the strong public service solutions that we absolutely need, um, not not the least health, for example, uh, and ensuring that we raise people's incomes and households who are struggling the most. Those are the issues and the priorities that will continue to put the green solutions out there. But yes, absolutely can see an opportunity um, with Chippy signalling uh, that, you know, right now things are not fair. Anything else that you would like to try and, you know, introduce urgency to, I guess is another way to say, to hurry through before the election? Uh, I think it does, I think housing has quite a bit to it. So there's affordability, and that particularly with rent, uh, rent controls is an area that we've pushed openly for. But the housing has to also be healthy. It has to also be homes that can take care of good people. That sorry, that can take care of people, for people to um, have good lives in those homes. And that's a, a, a comprehensive rental warrant of fitness, um, Nathan, and that's something that we've continued to campaign on, continued to push for, and have got massive support from people across the country uh, for a long time, actually. We've we've put decades of uh, rental warrant of fitness on our agenda. So, you know, those are some of the the sort of urgent uh urgent priorities that we'd like to see, Um, reforming the tax system that we've already talked about, and again, continuing to push the stronger action on climate change. Mm. Uh, Marama, thank you very much for your time this morning and uh, for joining us, uh, not just with your thoughts on uh, your coalition, but also too on the death of uh, Titifai Harawira. And uh, that is our programme for this morning. Just a reminder, you can get Posty Mike, that book there. Uh, it does come out next month and it was interesting. I thought, oh gosh, that's that's quite brave when you have to do the, it's just going to be these dogs and um that's that's a tough call. It's like leaving someone's kid out of the school yearbook, isn't it? It's not a, not a good thing to do. Anyway, uh, today is the 25th of January, and I'll send you out uh, to the news uh, with the voice of James Etta Hawkins. You know Rosetta James, and I think this is quite beautiful. It's stormy weather. Thank you very much for your company this morning. Morning Report next with Guyon and Corin. From all of us here at First Up, have yourselves a wonderful day, and we'll be back in your ears. Uh, Paul Paul. The time Storm, storm